0: Good morning. Our program will change just a little bit. We'll sing just one song with you now, and then Dennis will have the opening. So let's stand together, and we'll sing forever. (laughs) The song forever. (laughs) can be seated.
1: Good morning and welcome here. Good to see all of you here this morning and I know that we have some guests here this morning so for those of you who are guests here we're glad that you have joined us. Hope that you are made to feel welcome here this morning among us and also to those who will be listening to our service at some other point and those who are watching our service we're glad that you have joined us as well. Many of you know that uh, some of us meet most Wednesdays for lunch here at church. Did I say many of us? Some of us meet. Not not many of us meet. Not sure what I said there. And uh, so this past Wednesday we met and we talked about a few different things. One of the things we talked about was the images are pictures that have been sent to Earth this past week from a new satellite that's in space. So for those of you who listen to the news or have been watching the news, um, there is a new satellite up there, it's called the James Webb Space Telescope, satellite telescope. And uh, it's sending back some uh, pretty amazing pictures. Uh, they are finding that there are thousands of new galaxies out there that they weren't aware of before. So scientists behind this project are pretty excited about this, they think that this will help them determine some of the origins of life. And for those of us who are believers, we talked about this at our meeting as well, for those of us who are believers, uh, this just gives us another little glimpse into the vastness of God's creation. So that's quite something. We also talked about Jesus. We talked about the fact that he came to earth to suffer and die for us. And he did it for all mankind. We talked about that and uh, that he doesn't need to repeat it. He did it once and that was sufficient. We also talked about, or someone in our group uh, said it's been suggested to him that we have responsive readings once in a while. So I thought, okay, this morning might be a good morning to do a responsive reading. So for our opening scripture this morning, we're going to read it together. And there's an insert in your bulletin that has it. So I chose uh, Psalm 19 for this. And again, at our lunch meeting, uh, or some of the things we talked about at our lunch meeting prompted me to choose Psalm 19. It speaks about God's, cre- <clears throat> excuse me, God's creation, and also reminds us that God's word is trustworthy and sure. So let's read it together. Uh, I'm going to read the light print. And together, we'll read the dark print. So it's on two sides of your page. So it begins, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God.
2: The skies skies proclaim
1: the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge.
2: There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard.
1: Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes
2: of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple.
1: The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart.
2: The commands of the
1: The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold.
2: They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb.
1: By them is your servant warned.
2: In keeping them, there is great reward.
1: Who can discern his errors? Keep your servant also from willful sins.
2: May they not rule over me.
1: Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O
2: Lord, my rock
1: and my redeemer. Thank you. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are the God of all creation. And Lord, we, we marvel at the vastness and the beauty of your creation. We are such a small part of it, and yet you care so much for us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to suffer and die in our place so that we could experience and be assured of forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for the wisdom and guidance we receive from it, and for the freedom we have to read it and to even own a copy of it. God, we have come to worship you this morning. Thank you for your presence among us. May all that we do be for your honor and your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Another uh, small change to uh, the bulletin. It lists Donovanepa's having a mission spot right now. That was printed in error, so that won't happen. But uh, I'll ask the ladies to come up and, uh, for another song
0: just thinking about forever and isn't it wonderful to know that one day we will sing forever and glorify god forever in heaven it's it's an amazing thought (laughs) so but for now let's glorify him where we are uh we'll sing we will glorify and then all heaven declares
1: Thanks for that singing. Um, I'm going to call Eileen Nengbrecht up. She would like to um, share some information about the VBS coming up.
3: Good morning. Uh, yes, I'm here on behalf of the VBS committee. Uh, we are Anna Friesen, Judy Unra, uh, Val Dick, and myself. And uh, just to highlight uh, the insert you've got in your bulletin. Uh, we are planning and have been preparing to uh, hold a VBS program, August 2 to 5, in the morning. And uh, it's, uh, the other day Val sent a text, I found this, praise the Lord. So things are falling into place as we get things ready and so we're, we're excited about this. Um, last year we had a VBS program where we had about 10 kids. And this year, it's not COVID, but we are still uh, planning to limit our capacity to 25 to 30 kids. So um, we're moving forward with that. And we would like to invite you, uh, if you have grandkids, uh, to register early so that they will have a place. But uh, we are planning this week to go uh, door to door to the streets around our church to hand out invitations. And so we would ask you to pray for us as we do that. And um, that we will connect with kids whose hearts are are open to the Lord. And uh, uh, we also have a prayer calendar. I'd like you to pick one up and uh, we ask if that you would pray for us. Um, it's a prayer item for every day uh, till through VBS week, and so it's not like you have to pray a long time uh, all these things through every day. There's just one item that uh, we would uh, encourage you to pray for. So uh, pick one of those up and. Um, Again, uh, if you have grandkids or friends that you know would like to join us for VBS, we'd encourage you to call Anna uh, soon and register them. Um, And we want to thank you already. There are a number of volunteers that have stepped forward. And because we're not sure how many kids we will get, we want to be sure to have enough volunteers For as many kids, we hope not to have to turn anybody away. So if you think you might want to be involved with us in this, uh, it's an hour, almost two hours uh, in the morning that week. uh, We would welcome a couple couple more volunteers. So call any one of us if uh, that intrigues you. But if you pray for us, that is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Eileen. And I'll just uh, touch on a couple of more announcements. Ushers, if you are ready, you can already come forward. Um, Under persons with health needs, uh, Anne Weens is still listed in the hospital. And also, uh, Menno and Nettie Jansen are both in the hospital. So take note of that. And let's remember to pray for these folks and others as well. And uh, just a note uh, at the bottom of page two, Jake Hildebrandt is serving this morning in at C- Eden and Salem on our church's behalf. So please read the rest of the announcements on your own. And let's bow to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you again. And Lord, we thank you for this day Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, God, for the assurance we have in your Word of your love and of your faithfulness and your presence in our lives. Lord, we bring before you those who are dealing with health concerns. We pray for Anne Weens, Anne Menno, and Nettie Jansen in the hospital as well as those who are experiencing health needs at home. And God, we ask your hand of healing upon each one. Grant them patience and a sense of your presence. Be with their families as well. Lord, we pray also for those who work in the medical field. And we thank you for them. And ask that you would help and guide them as they look after the sick and as they work with uh, staff shortages and other challenges. God, we ask your comfort and strength for those from our congregation and also our community who continue to grieve after the passing of a loved one. Father, we pray for the VPS program. Pray your blessing on that program that's being planned. We ask that you would guide those who are giving leadership, those who will be volunteering to help. And Lord, be with the children as they come. We pray that those who um, do do not yet know you would be drawn to you and accept you into their hearts as their savior. God, we thank you also for warm weather that we're experiencing and also for rains which you have sent, which allow our crops in the fields and in our gardens to grow. Thank you, God, for this time of year. Lord, we ask also that you'd be with Jake Hildebrand as he serves at Eden and at Salem this morning. Be also with Pastor Victor as he brings us the message today. Lord, guide the words he will speak and uh, help us as we listen to what you have to say through him. Now, Lord, as we give our offering, we ask your blessing on this offering, and may it be used to further your work. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So an offering is not gonna be played now, but the ladies are going to uh, come up and sing.
0: Join us as we sing the song called Still, and the words are in your bulletin.
4: Today's uh, scripture reading is from John chapter 15, starting with verse one through 17. Ch- John chapter 15, verse one through 17. The vine and the branches. It's the old heading. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as i have obeyed my father just as i have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love i have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete my command is this love each other as i have loved you Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. You are now my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you every, whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Thus far, the reading of God's word.
2: Well, we've heard the phrase, act your age, This morning, it looks like I'm acting a little older than I am. (laughs) Because I did something on the golf course a week ago that is uh, causing me to remember it. But anyway, that's all that is. Do you remember when we were uh, a few weeks ago when we were in the gym? And how we were so nice and close? (laughs) I wonder what you would think if we would take the chairs away in the back half and just have you sit up here. Anybody opposed to that? I see some thumbs up. Okay, we'll consider it. <laughs> um, Dennis was saying about the things that we were talking about at our Wednesday meeting about the universe that this new telescope has uh, brought to our eyes. And then we began talking about. Christ dying for us once for all. And we thought, well if Christ died once for all, then this has implications for science also because they're always looking for life on another planet, right? So if there's life out there on another planet, it also has to come uh, and be saved through Christ. But he died here. So, how that's gonna happen, I don't know, but I think it tells science that there's no other life out there. (laughs) That's what I took from it anyway. Oh yeah, one more thing. Mrs. Engbrecht said these prayer uh, sheets that she mentioned, they're on a table here in the foyer, so don't hesitate to pick one up there. Well, in my last sermon, in his name, uh, well, it was a bit heavy, I think. And what were we looking to do is to answer the question, what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? And why were we asking that question? Because Jesus promised to do whatever we ask if we ask in his name. We discovered that a name represents a lot, pretty much everything about a person. A person's name carries with it the reputation and the position of that person, uh, the person's work and goals and purpose and will. Therefore, when we ask in Jesus' name, we represent him to the Father. We also learn that one thing God despises is to be misrepresented, declaring that the prophet who does so shall die. Makes it a bit scary then, doesn't it? When that person is God the Father, whom we are representing, we realize that we're actually unable to take his name and represent him flawlessly. When that person is the Lord Jesus, we find that we are unable to represent him accurately to the Father. And that realization left us feeling spiritually bankrupt. And so we are without Christ. Some of you told me that I sank the plow pretty deep and I realized later that the closing of my sermon was a little bit short on hope and application. So in my devotional that week, prompted by a question from one of you, I offered a more comprehensive conclusion to that sermon. And I'll just summarize that. And that is that, We notice that obedience is the appropriate response to Jesus' commands. Obedience is key to representing Jesus well when we pray in his name. In John 14, verses 15, 21, and 23, Jesus tells us that those who love him will obey him. So if I tell you that I love Jesus, but I don't obey him, I'm a liar. If I obey Jesus, then I prove that I love him. Now, I want you to understand this carefully. I'm not, I'm not talking about one-offs. I'm not talking about living the Christian life and occasionally we sin. I'm not talking about that. We all do that. I'm talking about the choice to walk in obedience or the choice not to walk in obedience. That is a different thing if we choose to follow Christ and we sin along the way that does not mean we don't love Jesus that means all it means is that a child of God has sinned but he confesses his sin and he turns away from it and then we continue in the favor of the Lord so have you made a conscious decision to follow Christ? Which means to walk according to him, walk like him, talk like him, obey his commands and his teaching. If that is your choice for life, then you love Jesus. Sinning along the way does not mean that you do not love him. So, a key part of our life Our Christian life is our choice to walk in obedience. The other thing to notice is that Jesus does not abandon us to try and carry out impossible commands without him. As soon as we decide to walk and step with Jesus, the Father sends the Spirit to be with us, to be in us, and then the Son takes up residence and the Father comes also, and the whole Godhead takes up residence in the believer equipping us to live a life that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Even though Jesus gave us an impossible command to ask in his name, he nonetheless wants us to obey it. He wants us to obey it and he wants wants to answer those prayers because it brings glory to the Father that's why God moves into the believer, to help him live rightly and obediently. So if there's anything about this that I have not made clear, please let me know. Come and talk to me. And understanding this, I think, is important. Okay, so now we've gained some understanding about obeying that impossible command. But it raises another question, at least for me. <laughs> so here we go again. Um, is asking in Jesus' name the only impossible command that God gives? Are there others? <clears throat> Love one another as I have loved you. John thirteen thirty-four and fifteen twelve. At the end of the Lord's Supper, in John thirteen thirty-four, Jesus said that he was giving them a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Really, is this a new command? Up until Jesus said that, the command from the Old Testament was, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that the same? What's the difference? The difference is the benchmark. The benchmark in the Old Testament of how I'm to love my neighbor how much is how I love myself. To love my neighbor as I love myself. Now the benchmark is Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. So now we're supposed to love each other not the way we love ourselves but the way Jesus has loved us. So it's a new command. So how did he love us? Well, he died on a cross in our place for our sins. It's with that kind of love that we are to love one another. Looks like another impossible command. Be holy for I am holy. At That line appears at least seven times in the Bible. This word holy, uh, we sometimes have difficulty defining. At least I do. (laughs) So I looked up its meaning in a dictionary, and I went to an old dictionary, Noah Webster, 1828. Here's what he wrote. Properly whole, entire, or perfect in a moral sense. Hence, pure in heart, temper, or dispositions, free from sin and sinful affections. Applied to the supreme being, holy signifies perfectly pure, immaculate, and complete in moral character. And a man is more or less holy, as his heart is more or less sanctified or purified from evil dispositions we call a man holy when his heart is conformed in some degree to the image of God and his life is regulated by the divine precepts. Hence, holy is used as nearly synonymous with good, pious, godly. And then Noah Webster references 1 Peter 1.16. <clears throat> so, if as it applies to God, it means perfectly pure, immaculate, and complete in moral character, then that is the command. The reason we should be holy is because God is holy. As children, we emulate our father. It Sounds like another impossible command. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Matthew 5 48. What does perfect mean? This verse comes from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching that we should love our enemies. From Romans 5, verse 10, we understand that Jesus died for us while we were still his enemies. In this context, perfection means loving even your enemies. Well, we sometimes struggle to love each other. <laughs> How much more difficult to love our enemies. But that's the command. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful, Luke 6:36. This verse comes from Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of the love your enemies portion, we read this, love your enemies, and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful." So how are you with ungrateful and evil people? Often, we're not merciful. So those are some more impossible commands to keep. And some that I mentioned in my previous sermon were these, you know, do we commit adultery with our eyes? Do we murder relationship with angry words? Are we in any way deceptive or dishonest in our speech for any reason? There are many impossible commands In fact, I would venture to say that probably all of God's commands are impossible for us to keep when we're not in him. On one hand, I set the plow pretty deep when I explored that command to ask in Jesus name. On the other hand, the plow has never not been deep. We would do well to think deeply about the meaning and the implications of God's commands. Not just hear them but think about them. What does this mean? How do I need to live my life when I read this command? We have a tendency to try and lower the requirements of the kingdom of heaven to make them more reasonable and attainable. Rather than recognize our own failures and repent of our sin. Jesus never does that. Jesus never lowers the requirements of the kingdom of heaven. He says, go and sin no more. The standard is high. It is unattainable. And he commands us to do the impossible. So if all these commands are impossible, what does this say about how we are to live the Christian life? If every command is beyond my capacity to obey it completely, what does that mean for our day-to-day living? I think it means several things. Number one, we need help. We cannot live the life that meets the standard of a holy God. Therefore, we must depend on him to help us do what he wants us to do. Accepting ourselves as morally bankrupt and asking for help to do what is right. Not doing this is the road to legalism and legalism is the road to hell because it attempts to live righteously without Christ. I suppose it's not a whole lot different than when you're raising children and you want to teach your child to go and do this or that chore. And you ask them to do it and they don't know how to do it. And, but you're right there, you're with them, you're, you're helping, you know, here, I'll show you. And, and we help them along, right? We help them learn to obey those things we want to teach them. I don't think it's very different. The other thing that I think this says about how we need to live is that Jesus knows we need help. He wants us to know this so that we will come to him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he said, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, "'and I will give you rest.'" We work so hard to try and do things we cannot do because we're doing them without him. We need to bring it to him. How long will we strive to do on our own strength what cannot be done? Not is hard to do, but cannot be done. Jesus knows we need his help and is ready to respond to the cry of the humble person. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If I'm not bearing fruit, I will be cut off and thrown into the fire. But Jesus says here that no branch can bear fruit by itself. This is only a problem for people who try to produce fruit on their own. Therefore, I must remain in the vine. And when I do, the vine produces fruit in me, the branch. I cannot sprout leaves. I cannot produce fruit. I can't cause fruit to go or somehow push it out. I don't even tend the vine or do any of the pruning. My part is simply to remain in the vine. As I remain in the vine, that nourishing sap that Paul talks about in Romans 11 verse 17 can flow from the root through the vine and into the branches to produce the fruit that brings glory to God. If in any way I resist total submission to Jesus, that is to pull away from the vine, I restrict the work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm unable to bear fruit. I cannot bear fruit by my own work. That is purely God's doing. This week I was watching uh, a video of the late Gary Smalley when he was preaching at a marriage seminar. And he used this passage in John 15 about the vine and the branches. And he had some props, I should have brought some. Maybe we'll we'll say this is a stick or a twig. He said, we're all twigs. (laughs) I'm a twig, you're a twig. And when and, and we're just actually, if we're not in the vine, we're uh, dead twigs. And so apart from the vine, here we are. Here's this dead twig going Urgh! Trying to sprout a leaf. Urgh! I'm trying to make fruit. <laughs> it, it gives nothing. And on top of that, then we look at each other Urgh! You're a Christian, how come you're not bearing fruit? And then we heap judgments on each other, meanwhile we're covering up the fact that we ourselves are not attached to the vine. If we're not tapped into the vine, we're just a bunch of dead twigs. Condemning each other and shouting death at each other. So a couple of questions. Why why do we expect any Christian to live up to our expectations of what they should be? What would be more reasonable is to expect to see Christians sin. And when we do, we have the opportunity to obey some of these impossible commands. Be merciful as your Heavenly Father Is merciful. Love your neighbor as yourself. And why do we try to cover up our sins and failures rather than confess them and repent? How come we don't want to share with each other how much we actually read the Bible? How come we don't want to share with each other how much time we spend in the week in prayer. How come we try to hide the fact that we're not as (laughs) Christian, I guess, as we want to be. We know what we want to be. We can't even do that. Christian life is about helping each other to the finish line. So when someone comes to you and asks, how are things between you and the Lord? Don't be afraid to admit it ain't going so well. We hit low spots. We all need encouragement to get up and keep walking in the ways of our God. And we're not going to cross the finish line apart from each other. We are one body and Jesus is returning for that body. So what does it mean to remain in the vine? It means I do not only choose once to believe in Jesus as my Lord, as my savior, but I choose every day to remain in him. I suggest to you that that is at least in part what Paul and Peter speak of in these next few verses. Paul wrote in Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Part of working out our salvation is to remain in him. Tell him you can't live right and ask him for help. Peter said in 2 Peter 1.10, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Well, how can I make it sure? By choosing to remain in the vine. It is possible to be on the vine and be dead. Those fruitless branches will eventually be cut off and thrown into the fire. The apple tree in our backyard is full of green leaves and growing apples. But we've noticed that there are a number of twigs that are dead or dying. I don't know why. But they're still firmly attached, and something is restricting life from getting to those twigs. They will be cut off and burned. But before you take this the wrong way, let me just say, as long as we have a mind and a will and breath in our lungs, we can choose to be in the vine. It could be that your Christian life has dried up some. Maybe you've been a dry twig for a long time because you have not chosen to remain in the vine. Revive that decision is my encouragement to you. Revive that decision to be in him and let Jesus fill you with life. Let his the sap of his love course through your veins and just give you life and and give you his spirit. Let him do what you cannot do and let him produce what you cannot produce. He is just waiting for you to ask. I think we struggle with remaining in the vine since it seems like such a passive command. Remaining doesn't give me a sense of working out or making sure of anything. But I think it requires more of us than we think. It means choosing him every day. It means choosing submission and obedience every day. It means living with spiritual integrity when nobody is watching. It means choosing to be filled with the spirit and with the word of God rather than filling ourselves with our favorite magazine or TV show or food or music or news. There's so many things that we gladly put in front of being in the vine. And I'm as, I'm as guilty as any one of you. I always want to do something else first. Can you admit that? <clears throat> Remaining in the vine means making good choices about your spiritual health. The other day, Gerhard and Anna brought us some fresh-cut roses from their garden. They were gorgeous. We put them in water, and we enjoyed them for a couple of days. (laughs) I haven't told them this yet. (laughs) And then one morning, we got up, and the roses were all wilted. all bent over and wilted. And I looked at the vase and I discovered that the stems no longer reached the water. That's as clear a picture as any. That's us when we fail to remain in the vine. We are given impossible commands that without Christ we cannot keep. Let's do the one thing we can do and remain in him. Then we will see the fruit of right living abound among us. We will love and obey God and we will be merciful and gracious with each other when we observe that we are all sinners saved by grace and not by works." just as I have kept the Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Brothers and sisters, let us do the work of remaining in him. Reading the word, thinking about what we read, even writing our thoughts down, And then praying, for in him, we are able to obey every command. In him, we can obey all these impossible commands. Tell Jesus that you are helpless, confess that you cannot do what he requires, and ask him to fill you with his spirit so that you can live the life he's asking in him. Be encouraged. I hope this is encouraging to you because we have all tried to live the Christian life in our own strength. This message frees you from that. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to prove yourself worthy. Let him make you worthy. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, You know what we are. You made us. You know the commands that you've given to us. We cannot do them. We're helpless. There's nothing in us on our own that can help us or make us want to even want to do what you want us to do. But Father, we come to you and we say today, we choose Jesus. We choose Jesus and we want to remain in him so that you will remain in us you, your spirit, your son, and equip us to do everything you call us to do and make our joy full. Thank you, Father, for this great message. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Please stand with us and we'll sing our last song, Grace Alone.